This is Laura Van Arendongba, and you're listening to To Write and Have Written, a writer's guide to the business side. This is an audio recording of the weekly live stream where you can join us each Tuesday on Twitch. Details and a schedule of upcoming guests and topics can be found at lauravab.com. Now to this week's episode. Hey, everybody, welcome. This is To Write and Have Written, and I am Laura Van Arendongba, and that is three three weeks in a row that I have remembered to introduce this thing. So I'm going to make it. We're going to, we're, we're going to go. Yeah, it's awesome. So really fun chat tonight. Um, I do know we have some new people. So, uh, thank you. If you guys, um, are just clicking over to, to watch, that's fantastic. If you want to chat with us live, please make a Twitch account to do that. You can use your Amazon account, I think, um, to do that, but then you can put questions and comments into the chat. There is a tiny bit of a delay, so uh, just be patient. It may take us a few seconds to, to get back to you, before, a few seconds before we even see things. So, um, all right, so I have a really fun uh, episode to me this week. I mean, I try to make most of them fun, but <laughs> this week I'm really excited. I've been asking, um, been trying to work on this one for a few months to get this organized. We have Connie Swaim here tonight. Uh, Connie's with the Hoosier State Search and Rescue Team, and she is a handler for search and cadaver dogs. Uh, Skywalker and Falcon, which will tell you how cool she is. Uh, so let me bring Connie in with the magical power of, ah, oh, look, she's on screen. That's great. And I unmuted her because I'm such a professional. I'm going to get this right someday. <laughs> awesome. Otherwise you have to read my lips. Right. Well, I've had poor, um, poor Carla Hoke on a few, a few weeks ago and I somehow muted her. Like everything was fine, you know, pre, pre going live. Somehow I killed her sound when we went live. So she's like writing things with a marker and holding them up. And yeah, yeah, it's great. So anyway, um, so feel free to throw questions in the chat as we go, um, kind viewers. And, uh, but we're just going to have a great time. I've got some things um, to talk about with Connie. And I'm just excited that we're going to get to have this conversation because this is the kind of wonderful, horrible topic that I love. <laughs> so, um, so uh, let me, let me just uh, say, Connie, um, wh- first, why where, why I really, really wanted to get someone in to talk about this. This is one of the things that is so different in reality from the way fiction often represents it. And I know that we, we talked just a little tiny bit about things we have seen go terribly wrong. So um, I guess let's just talk uh, a little bit to start with ways ways we have seen this misrepresented and um and how uh was the why then we should talk about how to do it correctly so oh hey bridger bridger's in the chat says she has been looking forward to this all week and bridger (laughs) if i recall correctly has a dog who is related to connie's dog because it's a small world after all it is a small world (laughs) so um bridger throw in the chat that exact relation again because i don't remember it and i just like to pass that along um, Falcon. I'm sorry. Yes, Falcon's niece. Falcon's niece. Okay. I, yes. uh, all right. I, Connie cannot see the chat, so I have to be the go between. So guys in the chat, I'm sorry. I'm trying to have a conversation to keep up and, and you just, none of it is Connie's fault. Let me just say that up front. Um, so one of the things I, I was watching a show a few years ago. Um, I will be kind and not name it because, um, it's just show had a lot of potential, but at this point, the writers really got lazy. And so these two guys are being pursued. They're running for their life from the bad guys who have search dogs and 
they're hiding in like a culvert or something and one of them's one of this, you know, discovers that the other one is carrying a cheese sandwich that his girlfriend made. And he's like, oh, you fool. Now the dogs are going to find us because you're carrying this cheese sandwich. So he takes the cheese sandwich away from the guy and he throws it like six feet over. And he's like, now, now we can get away because we don't have a cheese sandwich on us. And I'm sure that like there was supposed to be a lot of pathos about throwing away the cheese sandwich that yeah. his girlfriend made and all of this. But I was hurting too hard laughing to get any of that pathos. Um, can Can you talk a little bit about the effect of cheese sandwiches on search behavior. <laughs> so yes, and I also should say that while my dogs personally only find human the odor of human remains, I do work, am on a search team where dogs do find live people, and a lot of the scent information is the same for um, drug dogs, bomb dogs, dogs that find cancer, anything that is scent related. So, but yeah, so. A live, a dog that's finding a live person might go, oh, cheese sandwich, extra bonus for me. <laughs> but most dogs, their paycheck for finding a person is so amazing that the cheese sandwich is probably going to not be that exciting. So they're going to find the cheese sandwich or the person, and then they may go eat the cheese sandwich. So for my my dog, he was just on a search not that long ago, and he was lovely. We found we were looking for a body, and there was this disgusting, I mean, very ripe, deceased deer by the side of the road. I'm like, he looked at it, and he's like, oh, I would really love to go see that deer. But he worked. He, he knew that that was not his job. He kept working. So at the end of the search, we didn't find anything. And so I said, oh, all done, which is his search, his cue to just know, okay, we're done now. And I threw his toy. And instead of getting his toy, he ran straight to the dead deer, jumped on it, and started rolling in it. And I'm like, okay. But he left the dead deer until he was done searching. Because he wasn't searching, actually, for a dead deer he or for not. a cheese sandwich. Right. Like, no, that is... he was not. Yeah. Um... So, and, and you touched on this briefly. I was, I was going to do this later, but actually let's do this now because I feel like this might be one of those. I, a lot of times for the learn with me's, you know, we're talking about things that I am not that familiar with. And I, here I know just enough to be dangerous because I don't work um, professionally with, uh, with scent uh, searching, but, um, but I, I do come in with probably a little bit uh, more grasp on the vocabulary than the average person. So, um, Go ahead and you know break down a little bit between like live search versus cadaver dogs and i love that you said that the scent principles are the same for all the applications that we use dogs for scent in and we can talk about that you know applications a little bit later but um so you you know you don't do you have a dog that does both why do you do one or the other with a dog just break that down a little bit for us so for a search team most of search teams are going to have two to three different kinds of dogs it also kind of depends on the search team but the more common ones you're going to see are dogs that find human remains or dogs that find the odor of a decomposing body. And you're going to find the dogs that find a live person. The dogs that find a live person are generally going to break down into two different categories. Most people, when they think of the dog finding a live person, think of the bloodhound. They, you know, they show the bloodhound a T-shirt and they say, old Roy, go find the person. 
and things like that. So that's a specific dog, meaning that that dog is going to find something connected to that specific scent. There's also what are called live area dogs. And live area dogs are dogs that will find any person in a given area. It might not be the person we're looking for, but it is going to be a live person. And so that's really good if, let's say that a 10-year-old goes missing in a park, we may not have the scent article where, where he was last seen, maybe far from his car. So we can tell a live area search dog, just go find a live person. And we're obviously gonna know whether we found the missing 10 year old. And so we can then tell the dog, okay, this is not our missing 10 year old. So we're going to keep going. Um, but those kind of dogs will find any specific per or any person that is alive in and a given area. For like a disaster search situation, because, you know, you don't want to be like, I'm sorry, we can only find people in collapsed right. buildings if you bring us a scent th article yes. <laughs> that belonged to them. You know, yep. like, no, it's buried with them. Right. So, yep. so yeah. Okay. Yes. So so for like dogs that do disaster, especially like the FEMA dogs and things like that, those dogs are going to be looking for either a dead person or a live person, depending on what they've been trained for. You also can find dogs that are called article dogs. So let's say that someone is running or it could even be a missing child and you want the dog to, to tell you if you find a sneaker or if you find a wallet or if you found something so these dogs are really amazing because they can go down a track or like say along a roadway and they'll tell you what the most recent human scent is so there could be a lot of trash on the roadway but that dog is going to say oh but this one is more fresh than that one which is the other reason dogs noses are amazing so they can make distinctions between like there are dogs um that will at airports find people carrying a certain quantity of money so you know they're not going to stop everyone that has a ten dollar bill but they may stop alert on you if you have fifty thousand dollars in one dollar bills on you yeah the the things that a canine nose can do are crazy phenomenal like yeah that's they're super powered um so like that those are those would be a dogs who would you know go down and be like hey this cheese sandwich was dropped by the person we're looking for so yes. you know, it actually would be a disadvantage that yep. they throw that cheese sandwich away so um so i guess another myth that i see a lot um in fiction and i i think i know where this comes from but it's definitely not true today um are the, the search dogs that attack the people when they find them? <laughs> is this, <laughs> so, um, would you like to speak to that, please? So it would really be sad if I'm looking for a 10 year old and the dog decided to drag him <laughs> after he found him. So a lot of people, when they think dogs, they have a, in their mind, a, a police dog, like a, t what are called like bite dogs or takedown dogs. And those are dogs that are specifically trained to the handler says, that's a bad guy. Go stop that bad guy no matter what. But we want dogs that are friendly, oddly enough, to people so that they want to find the person and that they are super excited to find the person and that they hopefully won't terrify the person 
once the person is found. So the live find dogs I've worked with, like they are so excited to find a person. I mean, there is nothing better in your life than to be hiding behind a tree and have a giant bloodhound come and slobber you with kisses when he finds that he has finally got to his person. And he's like, I found you and now I'm going to slobber all over you. So those, you know, so yes, we don't want dogs that are finding live people, nor do we want dogs that are finding dead people to drag the dead person away, especially if it is a, like a crime scene. Obviously, the police are not going to be very excited. I'm like, oh, yeah, my dog found your body, but it's about 10 feet from where it was. So we also don't want dogs that think that finding the dead person also means we will play with the dead person right like that's not a that's not how that works yeah yes and i i think i think that comes out of you know there there were times and places um around the world where dogs were used to search for people for you know you've got dogs hunting escaped slaves you've got dogs hunting prisoners and you and then all of that got taken that was right. bad stuff that got taken and then fictionalized into the bloodhounds leaping at people's throats. And then even though that's not a common image today, that cultural consciousness is still there. But but that's not how that's not, I mean, I've hidden for search dogs to find for training. <laughs> and I think I've been viciously nose poked and perhaps licked on my chin like it's yeah. <laughs> it's it's not uh, it's not a high risk activity. Yeah. So it is definitely not high risk. And, you know, and we actually uh, train our dogs, especially the live find dogs, because sometimes people we may find be looking for a person who has dementia or a person who has some kind of um, spectrum issue with, you know, autism, anything that might make them more afraid or even a little kid who's terrified of dogs. So we actually also train our dogs what to do if they find a person who the dog gets there and the person is not excited so we might train the dogs to not give up if the person suddenly gets up and runs away for them or the person starts screaming um i do a lot of scenario training with our team which means that i try to think of really weird may or may not be realistic kind of things where we're gonna try to make it and see what the dogs will do if we do x or y well, yeah, you want to just, you know, prep them for all kinds of, I mean, I had a handler tell me once that, you know, not everybody wants to be found. So they have to prepare right. their dogs for if somebody's trying to scare the dog away from them. And, you know, just, you know, Absolutely. There's, a, there's a lot of things to, to, to think about. And, um, it's one of yes. the good things about having a human remains only dog. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I don't have to worry about my dog going, oh, the person got up and walked away while I was coming back to find well, you. I am a speculative fiction writer, so, you know, and, and we were, we were discussing, um, not too long ago, we were discussing, you know, would cadaver dogs be the best, you know, for in, in the zombie apocalypse that, you know, they're the best warning system. The cadaver dogs are like, oh, hey, you know, zombies coming that way. <laughs> so, so this is something that also, uh, human remains handlers will often debate is like, what's the dog going to do? Like the dog's going to be confused going, <laughs> hey they smell dead but they're moving and so it, it would just be training we'd have to live yeah. long enough through the zombie apocalypse to train the dogs right not get so 
so yeah so we'll just um that's your that's your next hr team you know yes. uh you surviving know, you guys... the zombie apocalypse yeah <laughs> so um so let's talk a little bit about how scent works um because again this is one of the, one of the things there's so much mystique about it that it just um i think people think about it as like there's a dotted line where people walked and that's where scent yeah. happens but that's not exactly how that works um so can you explain like in my mind scent is a fluid but i don't know that that translates well so how would you explain scent so the easiest way for people to look at it is get a smoke bomb and let the smoke bomb go and watch where the smoke goes throw it like watch what happens if it's on the water or near the water watch what happens if it's in the trees watch what the wind does with it so you're going to notice that it doesn't just go on a line. If the wind is blowing, the scent is going to keep blowing the direction of the wind. If the scent is on the water, it may go with the current. It may also go against the wind. So the, the, you have to know all of those kind of things of how scent is working. But when you see a dog work, generally what the dog is going to do is try to find, it's called a cone. So you just, I think of it more as a V where the dog starts out with the V very wide at the end and the dog starts going back and forth across the V going, okay, I ran out of scent over here. I'm going to go back. Oh, I ran out over here. So I'm going to keep tracking back and forth until I get to the place where the scent is the strongest or where I have odor in the strongest concentration. Um, and so dogs have a pretty amazing sense of smell that we obviously do not have i always think of their dog a nose as the dog's superpower so different studies have said anywhere between ten thousand and a hundred thousand times heavy or uh, a dog is ten thousand to a hundred thousand times greater at smelling than we are i mean obviously we can't like just say to the dog hey, what are you smelling, buddy? So a couple of people have tried to put it into perspective. Like Alexander Horowitz um, said that, think about if you could smell a teaspoon of sugar in your cup of coffee, if you put that teaspoon of sugar in two Olympic swimming pools of water, the dog could find the teaspoon of sugar. Another analogy I saw said that if we switched it to vision, which is easier for people to visualize obviously then if we were only talking about 10,000 and not a hundred thousand times greater it would be like you being able to see a third of the mile and the dog being able to see like 3,000 miles away so their sense of smell is amazing they can smell very minute things so you're not going to smell a lot of what the dog smells we might find a dead person a dead animal um once it's decayed for a couple of days especially if it's really sunny we're gonna smell the smell of putrefaction but a dog um deco decomposition starts within minutes after death and blowflies will start coming in within i think an hour after they're like so dogs can start to smell when someone has died really quickly and we're not going to come in and smell anything at all. Um, same with drugs, same with anything else. Um, so dogs also are really good at 
distinguishing what is one scent and what's another. So if you decide that you are going to hide in coffee grounds because you're going to think, oh, the dog can't find me because I'm hiding in a giant pit of coffee grounds, the dog is still going to be able to go, oh, those are coffee grounds. And yeah, they smell but I also smell the person that I'm looking for. So I've seen dog handlers, uh, especially drug dog handlers, use things like coffee, um, gasoline, even having a dog in heat, working, having the person who has got the drugs have a, have a dog in heat with them because a lot of the um, drug dogs, a lot of search dogs, a lot of working dogs are not altered. So... And they found that the dogs will still keep working no matter what the person tries to do. Um, we also know that dogs have been reliable on finding bodies up to, um, I know, at least 15 feet. I've heard far more than that, too. But at least 100 feet in water. So they are pretty good at finding what they are looking for no matter what is going on around them. So the way I personally visualize this because I'm listening to you and, and I, I think this is, this is fitting. This is, this matches up is, um, you know, we, we tend to think of, Oh, at this smell, like the coffee grounds are so strong that it overpowers all the other scents. But I think I try to imagine it as a dog smelling the way we see. So you can have, you know, a hundred yellow tennis balls, but I can pick out the one red one that you put in there. Absolutely. Right? And so I think that's, that's how I visualize how dogs scent distinguishing works because you know they'll be like yeah that's a lot of yellow tennis balls but duh there's a red one <laughs> like, right you know, so so in the in the chat um jumping back to when we were talking about you know the dogs uh not attacking the people they're finding um bridger was saying that uh her mom met was trying to tell her about meeting a human remains dog and referred to him as a cadaver retriever <laughs> which is <laughs> kind of um definitely not not what you want in a in a human remains dog and um and i've actually seen that in shows although usually it's not a cadaver dog it's usually like on something like a crime show and they start at the beginning and someone's pet goes out and brings back a human hand or something like that but yeah we don't generally want our human remains dogs to to disturb where the where the person's final there's a legal process and the dog carrying off evidence is not yeah yeah. probably not good yeah so let's talk about um uh you 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 touched on this with dogs being able to pick up you know uh human remains deep deep in the water and it's phenomenal because this is one of the huge myths right like oh i'll cross the stream and then the dog won't be able to find me and um yeah, criminals, you keep thinking that. Okay, so, um, you know, can you talk a little bit about how water affects this? Because that is the, um, that's what I see in fiction all the time. That's right. so, so wrong. So for one thing, we also have to go back to the fact that the dog is not working alone. Dogs have a handler for a reason. And I don't think of my dog as just the dog going out. We're always considered a team. So search dogs and police dogs and drug dogs, they are certified as a team, not as just the dog or just the person generally, because it's really important. So if my dog goes up to a stream and he noses around and noses around and can't find anything on the, you know, on the side of the stream where I am, 
and it's not a very big stream, I'm immediately going to go across the stream and see if he has anything over there. But if the person walks up the river or down the river, the scent is still going. This is when it gets really fun if you have a smoke bomb. Like you put a smoke bomb on a log and watch it float down the river and watch where that smoke goes. The smoke is going to go to the sides of the river or the sides of the water. And the dog can find that scent there because it's going to be collecting. It's going to collect in the grasses. It's going to collect on the rocks. If it's warm, it's going to be on the rocks, on top of the rocks. It's going to be drawn into places and the dog's going to be able to pick that up. So that's my, or it's the handler's job then to go, to try to help the dog. If the dog gets lost, to go, okay, where can I get my dog back where he can find the scent again? And then it's up to the dog to go, oh, wait, I'm smelling something over here. So even with human remains, when we work water, I'll see my dogs go in and they'll bite the water sometimes. It's like... It looks like they're like I've had police go, oh, your dog is playing in the water. And I'm like, nope, he's like he does play in the water for sure. But this looks very different. This is him deliberately snapping up the water and like taking it in. And you'll see him like look around and he'll sniff down in the water and then he'll start sniffing along the edge of the shore and he'll track back and forth to try to find the the place where he smells it the most and again he can't get to it so we worked a scene once where a person had drowned in a pond they weren't 100 percent sure he was in the pond but he had disappeared from a party most likely he was in this pond so my dog is running up and down the shore running up and down the shore he's very interested he keeps looking out into the water looking out into the water looking back at me and going the water go out into the water and so finally he went out onto a dock which is the as far out as he could get and he gave his train final response or what some people call an alert at that point as well because but he was he was frustrated he was whining at me and he was like okay i can't take you to it but if you go out there and look i think you're gonna find that thing you want me to tell you about so, yeah, so the water is not going to uh, trick the dog. Pepper, not going to trick the dog. Um, all of those things, you know, running through a pig, you know, running through a pig sty. I was, I was watching a cool hand Luke um, bloodhound scene in preparation for this talk today. And he's like jumping fences. He's running through a creek. He jumps off um, a trussle. And I, we train for all of those kind of things as well, so that we know what our dog is going to look like if he, if somebody decides they're going to jump off a trestle, and so you're tracking across the trestle, and all of a sudden the scent pool, the scent ends, and the dog is looking down over the trestle. Then I'm going to go, okay, I think he jumped off here. Same with people getting in a car. There are dogs that will trail cars because the scent's coming out of the car and sometimes policemen will get or uh, handlers will get their dogs out at intersections to see if the dog can figure out what direction the car went so it's pretty incredible that is crazy stuff so um i've got a real quick question and then we'll get to some of the stuff in the chat i just want to um interject real quickly um can you talk about what scent is because 
you know, it's, it sounds like this vague mystical thing, but it's, there's, it's a physical thing. So can you identify right. that? And then we'll get to the qu- chat questions. So they have identified 457 or 447 odors that make up human decomposition. So they've used, um, there's several body farms in the United States where forensic and FBI people, they put bodies out and they watch how they decompose so that they see what bugs come up to them so that if they do find a body and it looks like this, they're going to know, okay, this person was out under these conditions for this long. So we know a lot about human, the scent of human decomposition from that. Um, And the, while a dead animal, a dead anything is going to have some of that same scent those same odors in common with a dead person, they're not going to have all of the same odors. So when we're looking for dogs who, whatever it is that we're training them to find, we want to train them to find those specific odors in various combinations. So my dog has to know that a body smells like blood and teeth and tissue and all of those kind of different things so that he knows okay i'm looking for this bigger picture where i smell all of these things together or at least parts of these things together but it is they they're not sure because again it's really hard to test how many of those odors dogs actually alert on but they they know seven or eight for sure um that we know dogs alert on and we know that they are different from pigs or chickens or other dead animals. So that's the big thing that people ask me all the time is how, how do I know that your dog isn't going to lead me to a dead deer or somebody buried a cat? And we like, we actually had a search like that where somebody found a grave in the woods. It had toys on top of it. It looked a tad suspicious but none of a dog didn't alert on it but they wanted to dig it up anyway and it, it was somebody's pet um so and we train for that like we use animal bones like there's dead animals in the woods all the time where we train as well and our dogs just don't get paid for finding those kind of things so the dog goes yep that's kind of like what i look for but i never get paid for that specific picture. So I am going to ignore that specific picture. Um, And the other thing is where we, when we breathe in, our scent and we breathe out, we're pushing all the scent out of our nose. But for everybody who has a dog at home, this is something that very few people notice about their own dog. If you look on the side of your dog's nose right here, there's gonna be a slit. And that's where if your dog is breathing, he breathes in through his nose, but his exhale goes out through that slit. So he can keep breathing even when he's panting, even when he is sticking his nose underwater, he can still smell things because he's taking in air or scent. About 12% of the scent he takes in or the air he takes in goes through an olfactory process that we don't have. Think of it like it goes to its own supercomputer in his brain and it says, oh, bunny rabbit, deer, oh, the thing that mom says, if I find it for her, she's going to throw my ball for me and she gets really excited. So instead of the deer or the bunny rabbit, let's go 
look for that thing. So it's also amazing that their noses are just set up so much differently than ours that that's why scent dogs work. So we've got some questions in the chat. One is about with underwater searches. Do you do underwater searches like for a drowning victim? I think you mentioned um, working with something like that before. But what are the characteristics of scent on water? Is there a narrow cone? Is it a wide dispersed cone? How is it distorted by the current? That kind of thing. So that so people who do water searches, especially deep lakes and ponds, I am in awe of them. I personally don't have a dog that's certified on water because I, where I live and the kinds of cases we get, I, I, I would rarely use that. But I have friends in Michigan and other places where lakes are huge and, and there are un, unfortunately more drownings. And their dogs are simply amazing. But you also have to be a real big geek because you have to know where does the outflow go? Is this a lake? And is there an outflow or is there a current through this lake? And you want to know what does the bottom of the lake look like? Um, what in what direction is the wind going that day? How long has the body been down? So your dog might alert on a log because that's where the scent might have pulled or he might alert in the middle of the lake. But chances are the body is not going to be directly <laughs> <laughs> below the dog's nose at that point. So that's when you have to know, okay, where what's the wind current? Or what's that wind doing? What's the current in the water doing? Where is it going to? Temperature makes a big difference as well. Um, and the big thing you have to also know is that there are some lakes that have been built on top of cemeteries. <laughs> So there have been a couple of times when people have had dogs that have alerted and then it turned out that, oh, well, there could be a cemetery down there as well. And that's one of the things I also tell people is, especially for human remains, my dog might alert if I don't see a body or I can't tell you that that's the person that they ask me to find. All I can tell you is that my dog is giving me his trained final response and that he has found something and it's not my job then to say whatever i'm just going to give the police my idea of what he's doing but all i can say is he gave me his trained final response because dogs also find residual odor which means that the body could have been there but somebody came back, or the it's a zombie, and it got up and walked away. So my but also a risk. The, yeah, the dog will go. Oh, he was there, or it the, there was something there, but it's not there now. But I'm going to tell you what was there. Yeah, and I think you know we hear stories where the, you know the dog, and I loved what you said earlier about you know you are a team. It's 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 absolutely you certify as a team. It's not a the dog goes out and does things. Um, because the dog can tell you where the scent is. The dog can't necessarily tell you where the scent came from. You know, I have to, right. not, not me, I'm not doing this, but you know, the handler has to be, you know, okay, yeah, the dog alerted on this log, but this log came from this dam upstream or, you know, whatever. And, right. uh, and so that's it, you know, things. So um, another question, is it true that training in a non-SAR scent sport, such as nose work or barn hunt or any of those, would disqualify a search team or make any evidence from them non-admissible. So I'm not an attorney, but this is something <laughs> that is bandied about a lot in 
like at search conferences that I've gone to. Um, so definitely people who are on a search and rescue team, even if it's a volunteer team like I'm on, we can get called in to court um, for various reasons. And there certainly have been cases where a search handler's testimony wasn't got something kicked out of court or it did not end well for, for what the search handler might have wanted. So we definitely want to make sure it's all a, basically the short answer is I should have started with this way. The short answer is it's all about your training logs. So if I can bury an attorney under paperwork that says my dog can find birch tree oil and his alert for birch tree oil is a paw touch, but his alert for finding a deceased person is a down and that I have all of this evidence under all of these different circumstances that prove that I have tested this theory numerous times, then your chances are good that it, you're not going to have a problem. But the big thing is everyone, it always comes down to you. Um, we've, I've been on some mark mock trials and stuff where, you know, they go, okay, well, your dog's alert is a down. Does he just lay down? And you have to go, well, he, he does. Yes, indeed, <laughs> lay down. Well, how do you know he's laying down? Because he found a dead person versus, you know, so you do have to kind of think about all of that stuff. And so it like just for anything, for drug dogs, bomb dogs, anything that could go to court, it's all going to come down to the handler's training logs probably and whether you can prove that your dog knows or does not know. So, like, I have a training log that says my dog found a human bone in a room where there were 12 different animal bones. So, I mean, it was a training set up, but, I mean, I can I have that in my log. So, if somebody says, have you ever done this? I can look back at my logs and I can say, well, yes, indeed. On this date, this is what happened. So if they have a follow-up question, if that did not answer their question, let me know. Okay. Yeah, that's those are that's that's good to know because especially as as writers, you know, we're trying to, um, you know, if I want to use this in a murder mystery or or something, you know, like the bury them in paperwork is always a great pot element <laughs> that is underused and, <laughs> no, but that but that's legit. Like, um, you know, you want to. For me, as a trainer, I look at you know some of the, well. well uh, a down that's casually lying down and a down to alert on something. Those look nothing alike. But yeah, to an attorney, I said the dog lies down, right? Like that has the <laughs> and um so yeah, it's, that's one of those you need to be able to explain it to the layperson. So And right, you also so have to be able to talk about your dog's body language, which goes back to being a team because my dogs they they'll do their trained final response, but I almost always I know when my dog is getting close to finding something because he changes his body language changes the way he breathes changes. And, and when he does do his train final response, especially my first dog condor, I always said his alert was a stare, but I, I could never put that on it. Like no one would take that for a certification, but he would just like go, Oh my God, you're about to throw my ball. And I'm so excited. You're about to throw my ball that all I can do is stand here and stare at you. Oh, wait a minute. I'm supposed to sit. 
but I, he would always give me that stare first and the stare always that was really i'm like oh yeah he found something oh yeah there he just sat so um so going back to like really common myths um another one that i just like because it's so wrong and i i just i've read stories where it backfired because the bad guy you know believed the myth that you could get up high and then the dog couldn't pick up your scent so can um you know, can, do you have any 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 stories or well, examples of that or just i just i i you actually have proof on your phone of a person hiding in your barn in your hayloft and a bloodhound finding him and looking directly up at him so we also we again we train for that for both live people and people who um are deceased so a certification i just did with my dog i think the on the certification test on one of them the hide was up 10 feet um and so my dog actually alerted maybe five feet from there but pointing directly at it so the scent had come down it followed a log the heaviest pool of scent was right there but he was actually looking. So had a real dead body been in that tree, I could have looked over and said, oh, my dog alerted here. But actually, if you look over there, there's a guy hanging from that tree. So and again, most of the time, it's again, it's about reading your dog. So I've had um, scent problems where it's been in the ceiling. Um, I've had scent problems where it's been 15 foot up on a wall, like on an electrical outlet that was really high. And the dog is like climbing the wall and sniffing up and down the wall. And he finally just alerts as underneath the place where he is smelling the scent drop because scent's going to go down. It doesn't just go up into the air. <laughs> it is going to drop down underneath where you are hiding. So you get a, bad guy who runs and he climbs the tree because he thinks that's yep. what's going to get him away and he doesn't realize he's making it basically a lake yep. of scent underneath this tree so i actually when i was a general assignment reporter i covered a case of a guy who escaped from jail and he was actually captured by cattle because the farmer noticed that all his cows were out in the field looking up into a tree <laughs> and the person like the cows were like just standing around this tree staring up and they would not leave and the farmer knew the guy had escaped and he called the police and the guy was up in the tree. The cows were all like, hey, what you doing up there? The cows were like, this is the most interesting thing that's happened all day. Yes. Like, yeah. So, all right. We have a question about what dogs, um, are there certain breeds that are favored for this? Um, and roughly how long is the training process to, you know, from start to active, active deployment? So any dog can smell. Like we, it, so that's the big thing. People always go, how do you train your dog to find things? And I go, he already knows how to find things. I mean, drop a piece of food on the floor. He is going to find the piece of food without any help from me. So what I'm looking for or what most uh, trainers or handlers are looking for when they're looking for a dog to do some kind of job with is a dog that has a paycheck that is really amazing. A dog that has something that he loves so much that he will do almost anything to be able to play or eat or engage with that object. And it depends on the dog. Uh, my first search, my first cadaver dog was a tennis ball. 
Um, he just loved playing fetch more than anything. Skywalker does not like fetch at all, will not play fetch, but he loves to play tug. But he actually just loves me to be excited as well. And Falcon, my dog in training, his is a, definitely back to the tennis ball. He, and like he just, like, if he goes, he will do anything to go, will you throw my ball for me? So the first thing is you want a dog that has some kind of a reward system that makes him want to go and run for possibly hours and jump on things that are kind of scary. The other thing is you do need a dog that is pretty rock solid in terms of going and and that novel stimuli don't stress it because one thing i've learned being on a search team is you can absolutely not train for real life because you like i was on a search and they go can you bring take your dog up into the haymow and search and by the way there's a bunch of goats up there and i'm like I actually don't know what my dog <laughs> will do in a haymow full of goats, but he was like, he it's searched. Not how we practiced together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so no practicing in a haymow full of goats for a dead person. Um, dogs have to jump on things. They have to be able to go through things. So that's what we look at breed too. So a chihuahua might be able to hunt well, but is he going to be able to jump over all the logs that he might have to jump over. Is he going to be able to swim across the creek? And so going back to our giant breeds like Great Danes or some like Irish Wolfhounds, I want a dog that can go for a really long time as well. And some breeds just can't go that far. And when you get into the brachiocephalic dogs, which are dogs that have really smashed noses, sometimes they, they just can't breathe well enough when they run. So it kind of all goes into, so there's not one breed. Um, Sky, my dog Skywalker is actually from an uh, animal shelter. So his, his, he's a mixed breed. We do know that he's part German Shepherd, um, but the rest of him is unknown. And, but you do see a lot of working dogs. So German Shepherds, Labradors, Golden Retrievers, Malinois, um, I, I know a boxer, though, who was amazing as a, a search dog. So it also just depends a lot on the dog and what he wants to do. But you definitely want a dog that is athletic, has a good paycheck, and isn't going to be freaked out by weird things happening in his life. And then how long is your training? Long, right? So... What commonly people say is two years, and that basically that's because until about two, the dog is pretty much an adolescent, um, and like most of the dogs, my dogs that I've worked with, it seems like I always go, oh my gosh, I'm gonna, this dog is horrible, I don't know what I'm doing with this dog, and then around 12 months to 14 months, I start to go, oh, well, I think he might be getting it after <laughs> But you want to make sure that when you're training, that you've trained for all of the different contingencies. Um, because my search team, and again, the, the bad thing is there's not an overarching federal agency that has rules for a search team. So every search team kind of has its own rules. Our search team 
we don't we won't deploy a dog and handler team unless that team has been certified through an outside certifying organization and we like we don't take all the certifications we're kind of picky on which certifications we're going to take but so that's what i'm training for as well i'm training first that you know can my dog do all the trained behaviors that he's going to need to do to pass the certification test and then is he stable enough and is he reliable enough that if the police call me that i feel res responsible enough that i'm going to take him on a search Um, so a couple more questions. What, what does the training look like? And like, can you condense two years into a quick answer for us? Um, and then, um, and then a question about search practice, but, um, we'll, we'll go with the, what does the training look like first? So for human remains training, you actually do have to have human remains. So this is the big thing that most people ask me. So it depends on what state you live in. It is legal in the state I live in to own human remains. That is not the case with all states. Um, most human remains handlers have their own collection of things that they have had donated. So placenta is a big is easy. Um, placenta is pretty easy to get. You just find a pregnant person who is okay with donating their placenta. Um, you can actually buy bones in lots of places online. You can buy human bones. I actually bought a skeleton last year at an auction. Um, it's tissue and things like that that are hard to get. And that's the bad part about human remains or anything is I can't tell you what my dog will do with a full body that's buried under snow for five hours because I don't ever get a train for that. So I... So we have to train to the best of our ability, um, but definitely you do have to have for human remains, you have to have, like someplace people will use pseudo scent, which is a fake scent that supposedly smells like human remains. That's pretty controversial. Like not everybody thinks it's good. And in some countries where having human remains is not uh, acceptable, they use pigs. But that's also controversial because then you have a dog that may find only dead pigs. And I'm going to mention real quickly because I think this is one of those things that, like, you, even unless you geek out about dog noses, you wouldn't think of this. But perceiving a small amount of scent and perceiving a large amount of scent, like you said, like you're hunting, you're, you're training with this, but then there's a whole body under the snow. You know, those can be different things. So to go back to my tennis ball example... You know, if I'm used to looking for a single tennis ball, I might miss the school bus that is also yellow, but I'm used to looking for tennis balls. And um, so I, you know, just wanted to throw that out because that's something right. that, uh, you know, we, we tend to think of, well, all scents are scents, but right. they're not. And that's you know. something that we struggle with. All scent, any, any handler of a dog that finds things based on scent, whether it's a drug dog or a human remains dog, like if you only train your dog on a half a teaspoon of methamphetamine and you never train on more than half a teaspoon of methamphetamine, your dog may go over a pound of methamphetamine because the scent picture is totally different. Same with if I only train on a tooth or a little drop of blood and my dog finds a body, 
he may go, well, part of the picture is there. And a lot of dogs won't actually, if they haven't been exposed to full bodies, they'll get you to the area, but they may not actually get as close to the body as you would think they would. They go, okay, yeah, it's like 10 feet that direction. And I'm going to alert out here because that's the scent picture that my brain is telling me that you pay for. That scent picture in there that's a lot too big too much (laughs) too big too much so this goes back to being a team and if my dog gets me to an area and doesn't alert and i smell a a lot of odor i might go okay let's go this direction and see what's in here in this thicket so the question on how much area would you expect a team to cover in an average search uh, so like how close is the dog and the handler? Are they working next to each other? Um, so, and how much, how much area would you cover in an average search? So that goes back to some of the pet peeves that I asked my friends about. <laughs> so one of the things that people don't like that often get wrong is the person holding the dog like on a tight leash and the dog is walking right beside them. <laughs> Even with trailing dogs, the dog should be out at the end of a 20 foot line or longer, not right next to the person who's holding on to a tight leash. So everything is different. My dogs work off lead. Um, a lot of trailing dogs work on lead. It just kind of depends on the discipline and the handler and also how safe the area is. Like I'm going, I also train my dog to work on lead because if I'm looking on the edge of an interstate, I may not trust that a bunny rabbit won't jump up and my dog might dart into the traffic momentarily. So I will do both, but my, I want my dog to range, which means I want him to be within anywhere from 10 to 20 feet from me, possibly farther if I can see, And I want him to go cover because that's a big thing. Like I'm limited in my physical ability. I'm limited in my scent ability. He can travel. I like go check way down in that hollow. I'm going to stay up here. So we teach our dogs directionals like go, you know, if I point a direction, my dog will go, oh, you want me to go down that way? And look, I'll go down that way. So I don't have to go that far. But how there's no set answer to what a search looks like because i've been on searches where it was a house just you know a tiny little house with a basement and i've been on a search where in a day we went to four different areas in the woods and we were out for eight hours with just a couple of breaks for the dog to take a rest so it It just kind of depends on what the search parameters are, but it could be anything from a locker to hundreds of acres and you could be out there with your pack overnight. Because we also carry, my search team, we always carry anything we might need. Like I carry a first aid kit, I carry a canine first aid kit, I carry water, I carry gloves, I carry flagging tape. Technically, um, I could carry everything I would need for 48 hours for me and my dog. But I I hope to never use that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's the Murphy's Law of packs. If you have it, you won't need it. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So you actually touched on another question was how long does a complicated search day last? But you just said eight hours. So that's 
that's uh... and it could go i mean i've been on searches that have lasted multiple days so unfortunately oddly enough many people who might have information about a deceased person might not always be the best people to give you information so they might go yeah i think she died and we threw her body out here um so i went on a search that was like four different counties and we never found her and no search dogs found her but hunters did and she was in a county that we never went to but the person who had knowledge of where she was was like i think she might be here no wait a minute she's in this county i don't know where she really was so somehow not the best source of information yeah so actually most human remains searches we don't find we're we don't find anyone um so that's the other thing search people have to know is that a, a lot of times we're going out and we're not finding anyone but we're giving the police information or we're giving the family information. We're saying, okay, we, we can check this place off of the list. So, and sorry, I, I see more questions in the chat. I just want to um, ask this one really quickly because it's related to what you're saying where, um, you know, you may not find something, but you still have to wrap up the, that particular search or, uh, you know, and as you said, when your, your dog gets really excited, you know, really, uh, his reward is you getting really excited. And so you find a murder victim or a suicide victim or a, somebody who's walked off in a snowstorm and died or you know, whatever. And, and now you have to be like, hooray, good job. We found this guy. You know, how, how do you balance that as a handler, as a team, you know, working with law enforcement, working with families, you know, is where's, where's the awkward, how do you handle so that? Because that's a great question. So we try to be extremely sensitive well we're we're very hyper aware if family is near us so if family is near i try to be very low-key with my dog like taking him back to his crate and i might be tugging with him but i won't be over the top but at some of the big disasters that make national attention there have been handlers who were criticized for looking like they were happy with their dogs when a, something sad was happening. But again, from the dog's perspective, my dog does not go, we're going to go out and find a dead person. And that's really sad. My dog goes, it's just going out and going, we're going to find this thing. And if we find it, we're going to have the best party. So most of the time we're only with law enforcement. So there's no one, else there and if i'm back at my vehicle where um there might be reporters or there might be family members i try to make sure that i'm not you know that i i, I try to be cognizant of what the picture of me and my dog might look like going back to my vehicle but it is something i mean we talk about it we talk about it at search seminars and it is something it's the same thing about if you're using a radio or some kind of form of communication, you don't know who's going to be listening and you don't want the family to hear something over a radio. Yeah, no, that's so that's if we really find something, we almost it it's always gonna be a phone call to a police officer. Uh so question um and says maybe this isn't something you want to answer you know on the internet live you know, whatever but in for context of writing believable story what if anything could trick 
a tracking uh, tracking team. So again, it, it it you would have to know a lot. Like I could see it would be easy to do a crime novel if you knew the search people and you were on their team. You would know how to trick them because you would know what their dog or handler weaknesses were. But if you know again. So you need your murderer to be part of the team. So he knows yeah, that which is that what I think about all the time if I was kind of right. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so for human remains, pigs don't leave much behind. So it would most dogs aren't going to find much. There could be blood um, in there. Uh, I know, like, so I'm trying to think of what could be. And most of the dogs that I know in training, sure, there's going to be something. And but most of the time, what you're going to see that trick that uh, trips up the dog is probably going to be something that the dog never trained for. So the the criminal might not know what that is going to be, but basically, it's probably going to be like the dog goes, "Oh my God, goats terrify me! So I can't walk you through this pasture." of goats like we went through a cow pasture one time and my dog kept looking back at the cow because the cows are curious cows are super curious so this cow was following us all over the pasture and my dog is like i why is that thing following us and can you make it go away so those are the concentrate while it's staring at me yes (laughs) so those are the kind of things that are going to probably trip a dog up um more than just like saying yeah use tabasco sauce which is not going to necessarily trip the dog up or if you set up I'm, i'm just brainstorming here like if you set up a problem you know like we said earlier that the dog the dog can tell you where the odor is but the dog can't tell you necessarily all the points about where it came from so set up something where that you know it's your it's a thought problem for the human team so the dog says this log smells but it's not clear where that log came from or you know something right yeah. So one, if you're a human remains handler, I have been white hiking with my dog when my dogs have suddenly gone. This rock smells interesting, and I'm like, okay, we're going. Let's go. <laughs> don't don't see anything. But... We're off the clock. We're not addressing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I know I have um, someone I knew uh, with an HR uh, dog. Um, the dog would alert on their walks, you know, for several months and, um, and she did the same thing. Like, nope, we're not, not discussing it. And then, um, the spring thaw came and they found somebody and, uh, yeah, so that there happened, there's your story hook. There's your opener. So, yeah. Um, so you told me the most amazing thing, um, while we were prepping for this, I had no idea that trees could pick up cadaver scent, you know, like, can you talk yep. about that? Because I'm sorry, that's that's crazy and it's going in a book somewhere. So, so it, it does make sense if you think about it. It does. Tree I has just hadn't roots. thought about it. <laughs> right. So the tree has roots. So let's say that somebody buried a person five years ago. And in those five years, the vegetation around that home is growing, including the trees on the tree line. So you get there and especially let's say someone put a building on top of where the body was, like they built a garage or something. Um, And then 
you've got the dogs and they're like going around and you can tell that they've got sense, but they're like climbing a tree and you're going, okay, I can see to the top of this tree. There is not a body up there that has been missing for five years. So if my dog is climbing this tree and grabbing leaves out of the tree and like trying to drag the tree to the ground, I have to go, okay, there is something about the tree. <laughs> and does that mean there is really a person buried somewhere on this property? Because again, my dog is not saying the person is underneath that tree. My dog is telling me that he smells the odor that he was trained to find. And it's my job to interpret it as best I can and to then give that information to law enforcement my job is not to tell them where to dig or what to do. My job is to give them information and let them decide what they want to do with that information. So, but yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So it, things that yeah, like you'll see that in old cemeteries, especially so mm -hmm. cemeteries both prior to embalming and prior to everybody being in big sealed caskets when people were just buried in the ground or in a pine box, um, I, I have access on my farmland to a, um, old cemetery and the dogs will, they'll be all over all those old trees up in wow. the trees and sniffing the trees. And, um, yeah, because to them, it's just like here, it's here. I don't know what you want me to tell you. That's, that's, again, it makes perfect sense, but also just like, I had never thought about that in that context. So it's great. Um, PJ Zufit says in the chat, this has been really informative, by the way. Thanks for the interesting topic. So thank you. Thanks for coming by. And I, I'm, I find it fascinating because I did, this is how I learned that trees can smell like dead people. Um, <laughs> so, um, so let's talk about more, some more procedure for, um, for the writers. So, you know, one, one thing that I hear you know, it's, is, you know, by the time somebody calls the dogs, you know, you know, somebody, somebody goes missing at a park and they spend 12 hours walking around calling this person and then they call the search team. So like, what is the, what's the actual process that happens there? You know, how do you work around the fact that people have been trampling all over this, this, uh, area where you could start sent, you know, what, what, it, what is it, what is your procedure over there for that? So, Almost all search teams wish that if somebody, especially a live person, if a live person is missing, it is far better to try to get all the resources, including dogs, out quickly. But again, it, a lot of police might not know that there's a local search team. Search teams like mine were volunteer. So it's, you know, people have to know about us in order to call us. And we often do go into searches where the person may have been missing for a while. So if I have a scent specific dog, like a bloodhound, then if 500 people have walked across that and I have a really good dog, I'm not saying that dog can't find that scent through there. It may be more difficult, especially if you haven't worked with a dog. But if I have a live area dog, I can still bring that dog out there. I don't care how many people have walked out, but what we are going to do is ask the police to clear the area for us. So if I'm, we're looking for a live person and I have a live fine dog, I'm going to ask the police, uh, you know, 
can we try to get as many people out of this area as possible and go from there now human remains that people ask me that about human remains dogs all the time though too they go oh i walk is it okay if i walk in front of your dog like will that matter to him and i'm like you can walk behind him you can walk beside him like you don't smell dead so <laughs> it does not matter where you walk in relationship to him and people go when they hide uh training aids for me people are always like worried oh like you know it, it if i touch the door when i set it down is that gonna mess him up i'm like no because again it's it's not the same um but we do want like you know so generally what happens for our and i can only speak to my own search team and the other few search teams that i'm familiar with but what happens with us because we will not go call we don't get called out by family so like if you know someone who's missing as much as I like you, I'm not going to come out and search for that person unless the police ask me to do that. Because I might have to trespass. I might be going places where I would like not for someone not to shoot me if I'm there. And if we find something, I would like a policeman to be there. So we search. And that was one of the other pet peeves that several of my friends mentioned was that how often search dogs are portrayed as just the handler and the dog out searching, we always deploy with at least one other person. And hopefully Connie, a police they have a fireman. dog who really likes to help people. <laughs> like, <Yes>. <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, so, that's the other thing that always is like, yes. is, the dogs aren't trained. They just really like to help people. They just really <laughs> like to help people. Um, so yeah, so what happens with us is we get called out by the police. And the police will say, we have this. We have a you know, somebody said that they there could be a body here. Do you have a dog or dogs that you could bring? Or they say, We have a person who's missing. This is the situation. What resources do you have? So our search team doesn't necessarily have to deploy with dogs. We are all of our members of our search team are also um certified as SARTEC two searchers searchers meaning that we know how to read a compass we know how to plot points on a map that we can go out we know man tracking and clue searching and things like that so especially if we're looking for a lost person we can help uh people search that and actually i've been on two searches where we found a deceased person and we saw the deceased person before the dog now the dog got us in the right area but again I'm also not just closing my eyes as I walk through the woods. I'm like, oh, wait, there's something bright blue sitting over there. Oh, that's the legs of someone. So, um, yeah, so basically it, it just, but a lot of it depends on the jurisdiction. And there's a difference between volunteer search units like mine and FEMA, which is a federal agency, and they're going to get called out for, like, I, I don't do disasters. Like, I mean, I would, like, if someone called me, but my dog is not going to be the kind of dog that's probably going to go to rubble or something like that. Those dogs are really, really special. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's a lot of really specialized training. Okay, good. Thanks. Um, so, and I, I again, this kind of... Um touches a little bit on what you just spoke. I, I 
years ago, I remember talking to someone who said they were changing the name of their unit um, from a, you know, such and such search and rescue team to just such and such search because they had a family sue them because they found the person too late. And um, they're like, well, you say rescue in your name. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I understand you're upset, but like, you know, as you're talking about, you know, being a volunteer team and, and I, I know like you buy all your own materials and you, you pay all your own costs and like, you know, just things. So I want to ask what can people do to support search teams? Um, you know, there's, there's an, there's a lot of search teams in the country that could use a little boost. <laughs> so yeah. what, what so, would you like us to do? So for search teams like ours, like we're a 501c3, so people can donate to us. So if you go to Hoosier State Search and Rescue online, you will be able to find us and there's ways you can donate. A lot of different search units will have something on their website. So they'll do fun things like sponsor a dog, um, but it, it is, we, like, everything that we do on my search team, we pay for ourselves. Um, police don't pay us. We don't, like, even if a family member offered us something, we are not going to take any money. Every once in a while, a policeman might buy us, like, Wendy's, or they might bring food in, and we will eat the food. So, so we will do that. We've had pizza on searches. And things like that but we're we don't take money and that's the biggest thing that when people ask me hey i want to be on a search team it's time commitment do you have a job that you can just drop in the moment and say hey i've got to go on a search and do you have the financial resources to pay for all of the clothes that you're going to need because unfortunately people do not go missing when it is 70 degrees and sunny they just i mean they might but chances are good that it's going to be 95 degrees and i'm going to be slogging through a cornfield so this past summer when it was like the three hottest days we had all summer i was walking through cornfields and it is miserable i was hot i was itchy my dog's tongue was hanging all the way out, you know, and we search when, as long as it is not dangerous to the dog or to us physically in terms of a serious danger, we are going to search. And so you have to be prepared and have the right footwear. You have to have the right, which is another thing you see on uh, at least television shows or like people are like always wearing the wrong shoes. Like you are not going to go out searching without really good shoes on. So this is, I mean, we were talking earlier about having, you know, the TV shows, they always have the dogs in really short leashes and, you know, and the dogs are, of course, like look nothing at all, like they're actually tracking anything. But, um, and I think this, where this writers get this wrong is because writers look at movies, you know, to see it and the movies are concerned about getting the dog and the person in the same shot right. in this little box. And, and you know, those aren't, those are not actually search dogs. They don't look anything like search dogs, but you know, that, that's not what they're, that's what they're, they're there for. They're there to look good, make, you know, make this A-list actor look good. So, um, so yeah, like you, you, you know, that's why you'll have somebody out searching in stilettos in a movie that maybe you don't want to be doing in an actual ice storm in Indiana or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. and the other thing people can do is pregnant people. If you want to donate a placenta, I know almost any search team, who has human remains dogs will take placenta 
if you like somebody just gave me all their baby teeth from 30 years ago <laughs> so i've got that um a friend of mine uh her husband cut off the end of his finger and they she what is a nurse and they it, it ended up not taking and she uh let me have that so <laughs> if if you're miss if you have a body part that you no longer need and you wish to donate it like human remains handlers would be very respectful uh, and want it so i we also use cremains so we'll use human remains and or cremated remains so and that was something that um i learned when i was training with you guys the one night um on another use of search another request for search dogs that i had never thought of but people like in the big wildfires or something where houses have been lost and so they're looking for okay my my wife's ashes were in this house before it burned down can you go through all the ashes right. and find the ashes and that's just something again i had never thought of but that's a you know another great use for those those dogs to uh to be able to you know separate out and, nope. and get the family back so yeah so okay so we can don't donate money we can donate body parts we're no longer using you know all, all those things so the other thing is people who have places for us to train so as i know laura knows especially it, it's actually hard to find places where nobody cares if a bunch of dog people show up um it's really hard to find buildings especially now during covid where people will let us come in so we always are looking for places that are realistic as well so we're always looking for property where we can train um buildings where nobody would care if we came in and we promised to pick up any i mean our dogs are pretty well housebroken but they they are dogs so <laughs> But any kind of thing like that, we're always, like, most search teams like ours, too, if you want to come out and hide for a dog, we always love to have visitors. I always tell people, you're not going to be hiding for my dog, so don't worry. Um, because people go, oh, can I hide for your dog? And I'm like, yeah, that would be problematic. <laughs> because he only finds dead people, so why don't you hide for one of the live find dogs instead? Um, so in the, in the chat, we have uh, PJ Zufet saying, yay, you found the mutilated body. What a good dog. You know, the whole thing about trying to, trying to manage that. Yes. Um, Bridger asks a great question, um, in a search where you don't find anyone, how do you reinforce for hours of work when there's no odor to alert on? So dogs are just freaking amazing is what I say to that. So when I get done with a search, I will reward my dog back at the car, or if I know I'm done, I have a signal. I just go, I usually, it, it doesn't matter what you do, but I cross my arms and I go, all done. And I say it in a voice like that, all done. And the dog is like, okay, we're, we're done. So the game is over and we train. So when we do training, we don't always let the dogs find things at training either, because you, so that goes into a dog that could false alert. So if you have a dog that thinks that there has to be something in the room and he doesn't find it, he's going to just say, well, I'm going to try this and see if you throw me my ball. So you have to train for that. So we do, it's called having a blank. So we'll set up lots of uh, sessions where 
the dog goes out and doesn't find anything, but he still gets his toy. So, or he still gets some kind of reward. It kind of depends on the handler, what they do. I know some people will set up um, a problem at the end. If it's a live find and they don't find anyone, they'll ask a friend to go hide behind a tree and they'll let the dog find someone. Um, that's it, it, the, Those kind of things get into controversy over people can be very strong on one side of that fence or another of what you do with your dog at the end of a search. But what I do with my dog is I just go back to the car and we have fun and we still play with your toy because he knows we didn't find anything. And he's just like, okay, well we're done and I don't need to keep looking. But I also want to make sure that my dog knows that he doesn't have to always find something because that's the real being realistic he's not always going to find anything and chances are good he's very rarely going to find something on a real search do you train in your team because i know some will train a um uh i don't know like the anti-alert meaning i have checked this entire room and there is nothing here yeah right so yeah so there are people who will train it's we i call it all clear meaning that the dog says I searched it and there's nothing there. Um, some people will train that to be a very specific cue. I personally have never trained my dog for an all clear because it's always been very clear to me when my dog doesn't have anything. So if my dog goes into a room and he doesn't find anything, he's going to come right back out and go into the next room. And he's just going to keep going in and out of the rooms because he's and he just tells me. Or if we're out and we're searching a wilderness area, usually we're searching a specific area that the police, someone has told us about. And if we clear our area and my dog hasn't told me there's something, that's his way of telling me it's clear. So an example, I was on a search not that long ago. It was along a river and I kept sending my dog into the brush down to the river and after a while he's just like okay i'm gonna go stick my nose down there but i'm telling you there is nothing there is absolutely nothing down there and he he was just like even though i don't want to like give him human characteristics sometimes he looks at me and he snorts and he just looks at me and i'm like he's just going i i don't know why you're you're, like just trust me okay you do trust know me. i'm the one with the nose right yeah like you are like, aware <laughs> trust me that i don't need to go down there cool so pj zupit asks in the chat and i think this is going back to you know sometimes you find things sometimes you don't it's like so you just have to get lucky um on you know do, do we do we reinforce the dog or not but you're saying that there is going to be a reinforcement uh opportunity it just might come for going back to the car rather than for the fine. Right. Okay. Yeah. And again, too, we're, we're looking, these dogs have, when you have a working dog, and especially a dog that you train with a lot, these dogs are a partner. I mean, they really are a partner. So they pick up a lot on your emotional response. And like, it goes back to people always ask, do you give your dog, do you say a word or do you have a cue to tell your dog to go find someone who's dead and the answer is almost all handlers have a word but in reality there are many things like i don't have to say a word 
my dog knows that if I have on my search hat and I put on these special boots and we get out and there's a bunch of people and police cars standing around, like his energy changes immediately. He like I don't have to say his search word. He's like, okay, this is it. We're good. And plus I have his toy. So all of these things work together to cue him <laughs> that we are going to go play the game that I have trained him to play. Great. Yeah. Context, man. So Bridger just put in the chat this thing that totally derailed my line of thought. And <laughs> so I will show this. It says, oh, man, the pigs to dispose of the body and the criminal should be on the search team to know the dog's weaknesses just perfectly collided with a story that I heard recently from a friend about their whole team of certified working HRD dogs who all alerted on a package of sausage from a Craigslist freezer dump. I probably would pass on that sausage. Just going to say. Yeah. 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 No, that, that would be probably not be no, good nobody no, we don't want that sausage <laughs> yeah we don't want that sausage no uh, oh my gosh yeah that's um there was a story and i don't i'm not gonna remember this it's been a few years but um a guy who owned a pig farm and was a murderer and that's how he kept disposing of i think he killed several people and that's how he kept disposing of things and um i want to say they actually did track some of it through sausage i don't know but yeah it does just don't eat that um, so, okay. Um, so, uh, do we, I'm going to open up the chat. Any last, last questions for Connie? Um, another thing I wanted to ask Connie, what makes people, uh, I know that, you know, stress or exertion can make people easier to track. You're actually shedding more scent. Is there something that would cause more or less scent to come from that we can borrow for our fiction? That is a good question. And... Based on what I've seen from dogs, they are pretty good at, at finding you no matter what you're doing. Um, it doesn't matter, like, uh, someone who's new, like, every once in a while a new person will come out and they'll go, oh, do you want me to not wear deodorant? If I'm going to hide for the dog, do you want me to, like, work out for a little bit? And I'm like, no, no. That <laughs> Whether or not you wore deodorant or not does not going to make you more or less findable to that dog so again it all goes back to training it, it, from my perspective from the writer perspective it might be different but what it all goes back to me for training and what have i trained my dog to find or not find but also you have to think too if you walk the dogs are also finding the grass that not only just has your scent on it but the grass has been stepped on and the dogs start to know, okay, this is the smell of stepped on grass. So that has a scent all of its own. So all of those things form a giant picture, I think, in the dog's brain. And he's like, okay, this is the picture of what it is. Um, and for search teams and the same for drug dog handlers and anything, the other thing you have to be careful about is not to always train with your training aids in the same type of container so pvc pipe is a big one for human for a lot of different scent handlers because it's easy you drill a hole in it but if all you do is train with that then you'll see dogs will alert on pvc pipe or they'll alert on glass jars or 
solar on um, the latex gloves. So you do have to be really careful that you don't associate things you don't want your dog to alert on with the scent that you want your dog to find. It's a really good point. So, okay. Um, well, I don't, we didn't get any last questions in, so I think that means um, we've answered all the questions or everybody's busily scribbling ideas down about zombies who join search teams to throw people off. Um, so <laughs> I, um, we've gone an hour and a half, which I think means we had a good time. So Yay. thank you uh, so You're much. You're welcome. Tony. Yeah, this, this was, this was great. And I really wanted to, to have you on to talk about this and, um, it looks like, looks like people enjoyed it. So thank you so much. Um, if you, the, those of you, uh, watching the stream next week is our monthly create in, so you can bring any project at all. It doesn't have to be writing. We have people writing computer code. We have people doing needlework, all kinds of things. You bring your bring your project. That's just moral support uh, as we work together. And then after that, we have a field trip. And then we will start off uh, the new year with some more business business related topics. So, all right. And uh, yeah, so that is, uh, that's what I got for the tonight. I've lost my mouse. Hold on. Someday I'm going to get all my tech sorted. So that is it. Connie, thank you so much for joining You're us. Welcome. Guys, if you, um, check Connie's URL there on the screen and you can hop from there to her uh, search team's webpage as well. And um, so you can tell them you have teeth or placenta or, you know, or money or money or, you know, that uncle you never liked who wouldn't stop at Thanksgiving, <laughs> whatever, you know, <laughs> we ask so. few questions. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Thank you guys so much, Connie. Thank you. Hey, everybody. I will see you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening. You can find details on the weekly live stream, upcoming guests and topics, subscription and support information, and more at lauravab.com. Your shares, reviews, and support are very much appreciated. Until next time.